0: You are listening to WETF, The Jazz Station, South Bend, Indiana. This is The Jazz Focus, and my name is John Clark. Thank you for joining us again this week. We here at The Jazz Focus like to delve into some uh, focused elements of jazz recorded history. And today we're going to be talking about the great and... uh, Iconic uh, pianist. There are many words to fit him, but uh, none, none, none that completely capture the character of Thelonious Monk. And we're going to be listening to some of the recordings that he did for Blue Note Records at the beginning of his band leading career. Uh, we're going to focus primarily on the tunes that he did uh, that involved horns. He did some trio uh, recordings, and he also recorded with Milk Jackson in a couple of groups. We're going to save those for another podcast. So these are all going to be uh, tunes, many of them by Monk, but some standards as well. And it's interesting to hear how he arranged uh, his horn parts and his band for, uh, on these uh, familiar tunes and also on the very unfamiliar tunes that he had composed. So Monk was born in... Rocky Mount, North Carolina in 1917. And he started playing piano as a very young man. His mother uh, was religious and had him playing uh, in church accompanying the hymn singing. Uh, But he learned how to play stride piano in the uh, style of the time. Fats Waller, James P. Johnson, Duke Ellington, even Count Basie in his early days were stride pianists. And Monk learned that style. And uh, by several accounts, he was fairly good at it uh, in the 1930s when he was in his late teens and early 20s. He played with some bands some uh, territory bands he played in New York, uh, jam sessions. He was uh, known to be a a habitué of Minton's uh, Playhouse, which was called one of the incubators of the early bebop movement in the uh, early to mid-1940s. There are air-check recordings of him playing with people like Charlie Christian and Hotlip's Page and uh, developing some of the new ideas that took jazz beyond the swing era and into the bebop era. He also began writing tunes about then. He had some things that were uh, played by other groups, uh, but he uh, probably made his um, uh, debut in the national uh, scene with the Coleman Hawkins Quartet, and he recorded with uh, Hawkins for the Joe Davis label in 1944. He did four sides, uh, which have piano solos and accompaniments. It was just Hawkins with the rhythm section, and he played regularly with Hawkins at that point, and he uh, was not asked to go on the trip to the West Coast, which happened at the very end of the year, December, and then into 1945. Sir Charles Thompson went on that trip, and we have a podcast um, detailing uh, some of the recordings that that group made. But Monk was the pianist during, I think, the autumn of that year. And as I said, made his first commercial recordings. He also played as a band pianist with the Dizzy Gillespie Orchestra. And there are some live recordings from the Spotlight Club in New York around this period that have Monk playing on a horrendously out-of-tune piano. Uh, We've done a podcast, actually a radio show on that one as well. So by the late 1940s, Monk was pretty well known among the coterie of, of bebop and, shall we say, avant-garde musicians in New York, especially uh, African-American musicians who were developing some of these new sounds based on the uh, recordings and, and the playing of Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, but Monk was known as kind of a, a composer intellectual. He was a, a very unusual character. He dressed uh, strangely in some ways, with uh, horn-rimmed glasses and a beret that came to be kind of part and parcel of the bebop persona. Uh, He had unusual ways of speech. He probably had some... some personal or emotional uh, issues at the time, but it uh, created quite an artistic sensibility in his piano playing. He played piano uh, on his early recordings like no one else. He was, as I said, rooted in the stride piano tradition, but uh, it's been said that he approached the piano uh, as if it were a drum, as a percussion instrument. Technically, a piano is a percussion instrument, but Monk took that to extremes and um, would use very unusual and unorthodox piano technique for striking the keys and getting very unusual and interesting uh, sound qualities out of a piano. And uh, out of that technique and out of those sounds grew some of the compositions that we think of as Thelonious Monk classics, and we're going to hear a few of those today. We started out with a tune called Humph, which was based on the George Gershwin tune I Got Rhythm, a very um, angular and and difficult-to-play melody that uh, Monk came up with, along with some breaks and some reharmonizations as well, especially in the second A section of each chorus. He had a descending chromatic passage that uh, some of the soloists uh, seemed to embrace and some seemed to ignore. Uh, In the band at this time were uh, some... uh, monks compatriots who were sort of loosely organized around him doing club dates and so forth. We had, um, Idris Suleiman on trumpet, Danny Quebec West on alto sax, um, Billy Smith on tenor sax, Gene Ramey on bass, and Art Blakey on drums. And Blakey especially was very attuned to Monk's music. He was called probably the best drummer that uh, ever worked with Thelonious Monk in terms of interpreting his music. So "Humph" was the first tune by Thelonious Monk, and we followed it up with the uh, self-titled... tune called Thelonious, and that was, of course, by Monk. That was kind of interesting, in and it was primarily a piano feature, and about halfway through, he m- merges his styles, going from that very percussive quality that we've come to expect, into a straight-ahead stride piano style, with the left hand uh, doing a stride bass the way that uh, James P. Johnson would have, and it was said that Monk listened to some of his recordings later in life, and uh, pointed out the similarities uh, to Thelon- to uh, James P. Johnson, and uh, that's uh, something, that shouldn't be overlooked, even in his writing as well. Some of the more angular lines that he created for his songs were very much pianistic and not uh, related to individual saxophone or trumpet characteristics. So we're going to continue and play the next, or the remaining two tunes from that session, which I should say was on October fifteenth of nineteen forty-seven for Blue Note, recorded in New York City. Uh, The next two tunes were composed by a tenor sax player named Ike Quebec. Now, Danny Quebec West, the alto sax player, was Ike Quebec's cousin, so perhaps a little nepotism here. Ike Quebec did not play on this session, but he was uh, an important member of the Blue Note family. He was kind of their A&R man. Uh, That term hadn't been invented yet, but he was uh, instrumental in bringing people like Thelonious Monk to the attention of uh, the, the, the powers that be at Blue Note. It was shortly before this date in October 1947 that Monk was introduced by uh, I Quebec to Lorraine Gordon and Alfred Lyon. Alfred Lyon uh, was the head of Blue Note Records at the time, and uh, he had had... Uh, that label uh, with Francis Wolfe since about 1939. He was recording Boogie Woogie Piano Players and Sidney Bechet. Had quite a long uh, discography by 1947 of uh, New Orleans and traditional jazz and swing musicians as well. But by 1947, he was looking for something else and he found it in Thelonious Monk. Now, unfortunately, these recordings didn't sell very well. Monk was not a known commodity to uh, the general public and uh, there weren't enough musicians buying records to make these profitable. But to lions Eternal credit, he kept recording Monk all through the late 40s and into the early 50s. They have about three CDs worth of material including alternate takes that came out of these Thelonious Monk Blue Note records. So the two tunes that we're going to hear that were composed by um, uh, I, Quebec are Evance and Suburban Eyes. And we'll talk more about those when the time comes. Uh, we're going to finish off that set with three tunes from the next set. We're going to hear three Monk tunes. We're going to hear In Walked Bud, Monk's Mood, and Who Knows, all composed by Thelonious Monk, and these were done a month later, on November 21st of 1947, with Monk, Bob Page on bass, and Art Blakey again on drums, and this time in the horn section, George Tate on trumpet, and Sahib Shihab, also known as Edmund Gregory, before his... uh, transition to Islam uh, on alto sax. He was better known as a baritone sax player later in his career, but early on he was a pretty distinctive alto player who was not someone you'd mistake for Charlie Parker. A little bit more of an older style, but uh, a more modern harmonic sensibility. So those are our five tunes for this set. Yvance and Suburban Eyes, then In Walked Bud, Monk's Mood, and Who Knows. That was Thelonious Monk and his band. This was not a a regularly organized uh, band in the sense that it played a lot of gigs. It probably played some occasional sessions, but they did some rehearsals and so forth and uh, clearly were devoted to the music of Thelonious Monk. So we started out with those two Ike-Quebec tunes, Evance, which is based somewhat on uh, the Gershwin tune, Swonderful, and Suburbanize, which is based on all God's chillin' gut rhythm. And we heard some very good playing by Idris Suleiman, who's... uh, uh given name was Leonard Graham, and under uh, that name, he played trumpet on some uh, swing sides from the middle 1940s with Big Sid Catlett and uh, Don Bias and other people. We also heard Danny Quebec West, the cousin of Ike Quebec, and he played some very impressive alto sax, and that's really, this is really his only uh, recording date. I think he did some rhythm and blues things and some casual stuff in other... Uh, incarnations of groups, but this was his only really national level recording session, which is too bad, because he sounded like a good player. And then, of course, we heard Billy Smith, who was a tenor player, who was the notes to the uh, two-CD set, Thelonious Monk, Genius of Modern Music, points out he was uh, very much under the spell of Dexter Gordon, and he had that sound, that kind of combination of Charlie Parker and uh, Lester Young on tenor sax. Then we heard, of course, Thelonious Monk taking solo honors on both tunes, along with Gene Ramey on bass and Art Blakey on drums. And from there, we went to the session a month later. That first session was on October 15th of 1947. This is November 21st of 1947. Litholanius Monk Quintet, in this case, with George Tate on trumpet. Uh, don't know anything about him, but he was a, a good bebop trumpeter with a good open sound. Sahib Shihab whose given name was Edmund Gregory, on alto sax, Bob Page on bass, and Art Blakey on drums with Monk on piano. And we heard In Walked Bud, probably the first, first of the really well-known Thelonious Monk compositions. That was based on the Irving Berlin tune, Blue Skies. Monk, in common with many bebop composers and performers, uh, took the bones of standard tunes, the chord changes and form and so forth, and recomposed the melody, sometimes changed the chord changes. Most bebop composers really sweetened the chord changes, made them more complicated. Occasionally, Monk went the other way and made them more simple. Uh, and then uh, often played them faster, although this one was not a fast tune by any stretch. Then we heard uh, another Monk tune, very atmospheric version of Monk's Mood, and then followed it up with our third Thelonious Monk tune of that set, who knows, a very bright bebop line featuring all the horns and soloists. So we're going to finish up uh, that session on our next set and we're going to hear really the quintessential Thelonious Monk composition, Round Midnight. This was as close as he got to a uh, a pop hit. Round About Midnight was the original title. It had been recorded by Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie, actually not Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie in a um, bebop slash swing group that uh, he recorded with and it's on our Dizzy Gillespie The, the Sideman podcast from a while back. Uh, we hear the introduction on this this recording that Dizzy had used, I think Dizzy wrote the introduction, then Monk took it up uh, on his own tune. Uh, Cody Williams also recorded this tune with his uh, big band and I think it was actually his sextet earlier on, so Monk was doing some reaching out into other bands as well. So this uh, Roundabout Midnight, or Round Midnight by this point, will feature the group that we just heard. Then we're going to jump over to a slightly later session. We're going to jump over to May 30th of 1952, and in the process of doing that, we're skipping over a couple of sessions that Monk did for Blue Note that also featured vibraphonist Milt Jackson, who was, of course, with the Modern Jazz Quartet at the time. He had been with the Dizzy Gillespie Orchestra at the time that uh, Monk was playing, and uh, they were were good musical running buddies, and there were two excellent dates that we're going to feature on a future podcast, along with some of Monk's solo and trio works, well for Blue Note. So this session from May 30th features Monk on piano, of course, with Kenny Durham on trumpet, Lou Donaldson on alto sax, Lucky Thompson on tenor sax, Nelson Boyd on bass, and Max Roach on drums. This is uh, looks like more of a straight ahead bebop blowing session, but as we will hear, it has quite a few monk-type touches in the horn arrangements and the tempos and some of the reharmonizations of the songs as well. So we're going to start out with a tune called Skippy, a monk tune, then hornin' in 16, and then we're going to finish up with a trio version of uh, the... I won't call it a standard, it's not terribly well-known, uh, called I'll Follow You by the composers of the better-known tune Mean to Me, Turk and Allert. And that'll be just the trio, but from the same date, just the loneliest monk, Nelson Boyd, and Max Roach. So those are our tunes for this set. Uh, Round Midnight, Skippy, Hornin' In, Sixteen, and I'll Follow You. was Thelonious Monk on a couple of different sessions. We started with Around Midnight from 1947, actually. That was, uh, as I said, from November 21st of 1947 with George Tate on trumpet, Saib Shihab on alto sax, Bob Page on bass and Art Blakey on drums. And then we went to that uh, later session from... Uh, May of 1952 with Kenny Durham on trumpet, Lou Donaldson playing some wonderful bebop alto sax. He was uh, uh, really primed to be a follower of Charlie Parker and maybe pick up the mantle from Bird, but he had significant drug, drug problems and spent I think 10 or 12 years uh, as a guest of the state uh, or the federal uh, federals, I think, at, at one point. So he uh, had a renaissance in the 70s and 80s when he came out and he was still playing very well, but he lost a lot of important years. Also, Lucky Thompson, who we heard taking some excellent solos uh, on tenor sax, he had been with Count Basie's band. He was really sort of uh, similar in, in many ways to Don Bias. He was a swing player with a big, uh, smooth sound, but a lot of uh, harmonic awareness that really uh, set him in line with the bebop players more than the swing players. And then uh, Nelson Boyd on bass and Max Roach on drums, with Monk, of course, on piano. We actually ended up with I'll Follow You, a trio side with no horns, Turk and Allert, uh, an interesting example of how Monk could take a pop tune and uh, make it his own. Uh, the tune was, was recognizable, certainly, but Monk's very uh, percussive pianistic technique uh, made it uh, so that you wouldn't mistake him for anyone else, and he really turned the tune into a Thelonious Monk composition uh, by the end of it. We started out, after around midnight anyway, with three of the horn tunes, Skippy, Horn and in and Sixteen, and all of those were by Thelonious Monk, all of them were arranged by Thelonious Monk, and show how he was getting much more confident in uh, horn voicings and getting more daring and... Uh, experimental in terms of how he would use horns in in ways that were were not ways that you would be taught in a uh, music school, in an arranging school. had some interesting voicings, he had them out of their range in a couple of places, a lot of very dissonant uh, second and and, and minor second intervals in important places, so um, he was using other instruments in the way that he played piano, a very uh, iconoclastic person and also as a musician as well. So we have two more tunes from that session, both of which are horn tunes, if you will. So the Kenny, uh, or rather the Thelonious Monk sextet. We're going to hear Carolina Moon, which was originally a waltz from the 1920s by Davis and Burke. And Monk completely deconstructs it. Uh, I think he did it in 6-4 rather than 3-4, but there's a lot of cross rhythms and hemiola going on here. The horns are phrasing in, in, in... threes as you would in a waltz in some places while the rhythm section is playing an eight and by the end of it the rhythm section is shifting to 16 so there's a lot of different uh, layering of rhythmic textures here very interesting you can uh, be forgiven if you don't recognize the tune if you do know the tune in many places although Monk uh, had a taste for tunes of the 1920s going back to his stride piano background and so this is an interesting piece from that point of view Then we're going to finish up with a more straight-ahead Thelonious Monk tune with a lot of blowing from all the horn players called Let's Cool One. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. You're listening to WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. This is the Jazz Focus, and my name is John Clark, and hope you're uh, enjoying your your moment of monk here and the genius of modern music so-called. So we are going to finish up, as I said, with Carolina Moon and Let's Cool One.